0: okay so the last couple of weeks we've been discussing uh church discipline in general we've been looking primarily in matthew chapter 18 um verses 15 through 17 we've looked at kind of the first two sections of this Um, i'm going to reread it for kind of just refresher to get us back in the in the context of the discussion here i want to lay out again as I've done the last couple of times, um, the purpose, when we consider the purpose of church discipline, I have three things to consider here. Um, primarily, when we think about church discipline and the purpose of church discipline, we should be thinking about it in the context of restoration and reconciliation. Um, this is not a thing that we are in some way trying to be like. Punitive, like this is punishment for punishment's sake. This is always intended to restore the soul of the one in sin. Um, a second purpose here is to keep sin from spreading within the church. Consider um, how our hearts tend to be, especially when we live uh, maybe perhaps more worldly, um, and we see someone else get away with something. What does our heart say? I can get away with something. Um, so by um, handling sin that is that is clearly seen within the church um, and handling it according to Scripture, we can head off and do a favor to our own selves when we consider um, our own nature and, and how seeing sin um, openly uh, can have a tendency to cause us to, um, to, to wander and stray as well. Uh, third purpose here is just generally protecting the church. And this is not like, when I say this, this is not, I want to differentiate this between what you might consider when you think about perhaps the way that like the catholic church covered up particular acts that were going on within it when we speak about protecting the church we're not talking about protecting the church from ridicule and shame in that regard like we're trying to like cover a thing up when we talk about protecting the church we're talking about protecting the integrity of the church not what is perceived as the integrity of the church, but the actual integrity of the church. We want the church to be holy. We want our people to be holy. We want to call one another to a higher standard here. And, and in um, enacting church discipline rightly, uh, we, we go about protecting the church, protecting one another. And in doing that, we bring honor to Christ. Um so many things that we would consider in that we would consider and things that that oftentimes seem can seem harsh in regards to like approaches to church discipline especially as we approach the end of this and kind of as we've escalated through everything i want us to consider that when the church handles sin within the church rightly that the world sees that we call ourselves to a higher standard, right? So instead of masking and covering up, when we uh, let the light shine upon it and um, approach it uh, as we should, then the world sees that uh, they're not perfect, they don't claim to be perfect, but something is working in them that causes them to chase after perfection um, that is unlike what uh, occurs within the world. So those those are the kind of purposes here application from the application side of things we see that uh, we start from the smallest group that is possible and we've been discussing escalation um, the last couple of weeks and um, so sort small um, and this is to um, again, protect and um, we are not trying to blast sin and, and display your sin for the world to see. Um, and this is, this is why like I think oftentimes when it comes to church discipline that we err on the, we, we can err too much on the side of like not wanting to put things out there for everybody then in so doing um, we can overlook sin that ought not be overlooked right um, so start small but there are clear guidelines for escalation here um, and kind of second point of, of application we should escalate in, the accordance, in accordance with scriptures until resolution um, and we're kind of We've talked about that in each of of these stages of escalation that we we would hope that resolution would be found there, but if it is not, then we're called um, into kind of these these ever-increasing kind of points of of escalation here. Um, We see as well, and we'll look at that maybe today um, in 1 Timothy, um, that leaders are rebuked before the entire church. Um, Leaders are called... To a higher standard, and as such, um, like, not everybody should be teachers, right? Not everybody should be preachers, um, and if the Lord calls you to this. Um, you, you ought to understand that he's, he's calling you not to some fake type of holiness for everyone to see, which is what, when we, when we approach it as such, we tend to want to hide our failings, but um, an actual visible um, chasing after holiness that would call our brothers and sisters in the church to chase in the same in the same way, right? So, as such, um, open rebuke is something um, that should be expected for for leaders that continue um, in sin. Uh, verse or the the fourth kind of point of application here um, is once we come to repentance. Once the person who's been approached here uh, repents, we should not ice them out. This is this is a thing where like when repentance comes, we should. Um, as quickly as possible and in as wise a way as possible. Seek to rejoin that member to fellowship, rejoin that member um, to kind of the the full blessings of being a member um, within a body of believers. Um, and and continue the work of reconciliation, right? I, I, I want to I, I add that to the end because, as we all know, when we fall, sometimes it is not simply standing back up. Sometimes we make our way back up, right? Sometimes that reconciliation takes time and energy even after repentance comes, right? Um, and, and that will be uh, depending on uh, depending on the circumstances of of the particular sins, and there's a lot of that in this in this study, where there's these. Room for questions, room for consideration, room for... And in all of these, when I say there's room for, um, the only room that there is for is for us to examine Scriptures to answer those questions, right? There's not room for my opinion or your opinion. There's room for seeking in those areas the guidance that Scripture gives us there. So with that said... um, Church discipline, Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, if you'll read with me, uh, starting in verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, start small. Uh, if he listens to you you have gained your brother like i think as i consider this again and again this is the most beautiful stage of this whole thing and we could only hope and pray that in this this is where we find reconciliation and restoration because this has the least amount of overall impact or or risk of overall impact Um, to the the larger body of believers in in any particular location. So we seek to handle things in this way. And I, I say that to encourage you as well if you find yourself in a place where you feel like the Lord's calling you to an individual because of a particular sin that you might have seen or over like you might have overseen or you might have somehow uh, become aware of it, um, that you would be encouraged to to be courageous and go to that individual. That can seem like the most daunting of things. It can seem like the most weighty of things because there's this fear that comes with what happens if it doesn't go right and um, i want you to couple that with another fear of what happens if you do not act in accordance with scripture not simply for your own sake but for the one that god might be leading you in rebuking that they do not continue in that way right so I want to, every, every time we read this text, I want us to, to, to just stop for a minute and, and consider that if we would follow this first piece of advice that we could, I believe, head off many, if not most, of the issues uh, that arise. But there are times that we find ourselves um, unrepentant, and just hearing it from one might not be enough verse 16, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So uh, when we touched on this last time, there's the idea here that as you're bringing together, like you're this, it's escalated beyond just the, the small circle, and now you're having to bring others into this. We talked about just some kind of points of wisdom perhaps on ways that you could approach this. Uh, if you find yourself in this situation, situation where you're considering okay I've gone to this individual they've not listened they've not heard me um, and now now I feel like scripture's calling me uh, to to go to this next step I I pray that you would be wise in the selecting of who you would bring with you we talked about some details surrounding that last time Um, we won't go uh, we won't go into those again today Um, But perhaps you find yourself having done everything, everything in accordance with Scripture, seeking for the restoration and reconciliation of this individual. You've gone to them one-on-one. You've gone to them now with uh, trusted witnesses to hear the charges that have been brought together i would encourage you in that situation that you be clear and concise with the charges don't be afraid to write these things down so that you have kind of um like a log of what is going on here um we have technology if all parties involved or um are okay with the situation being recorded for the sake of clarity, um, you could use your phone and record these things. I would, I would go so far as to say, um, don't record the conversation and everyone not be aware that you're recording it, right? Like if everyone's on board with it, that would be a good way that you could capture all of the details of that conversation. Um, but I'm in no way telling you to secretly record these conversations um that would that would be like a that's like a twenty first century way of um of stepping over into the you just involved everybody category of things, right? So like if everyone's aware and this is you're doing this as a means of like capturing the details of the charges being brought forward. Um then, then go, 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 and that's an option there. Writing it down as an option there. Um, I think the the establishing every charge and the collecting of evidence is something that is uh, a non-negotiable in this in this stage because if it steps into the next piece, then you need to bring the charges and the evidence to the church. Um, so, verse 17: If he refuses to listen to them. Sell it to the church. Um, So, again, this is one of those where um, there is some... It doesn't give you necessarily... Like, here's step one of giving it to the church. So, like, I I, want to pose, like, ways that I might think through this myself, right? Like, if I find myself and a a group of trusted witnesses is gone, we've, um, like, in in prayer, in like fasting, in weeping over this individual's soul, we find that this individual continues to be unrepentant, and now we are considering amongst ourselves what are the next steps. Um, when we know that we've got to involve the church now. We've got to involve the body of believers that that individual um, fellowships with, that they worship with. How do we do this? Um, I'm not going to give you any particular way that you do this because it's likely going to depend on the situation. Um, I will say here that, um, wisdom would say again, like we see that there's this expanding of the circle of knowledge around these things as you pass from like phase to phase. So, um, Depending on the size of the body of believers, depending on, you know, like that, you may approach bringing it before the church in a in a different way depending on the context, the, the size of the church, the the issue at hand. Um, so like options, we'll just talk about potential options. Well perhaps the pastor's not been involved at this point. That might be one option that you would consider. Go like we've we've tried to handle this. We're going to go to the pastor. Um, we're gonna get into church governance in a later sermon Um, if you were to find yourself in the context where there were elders within your church um, bringing it then to the elders to discuss it get kind of this is not saying that this is we're now doing like we're doing a group of two or three and now we're doing a group of six this is with the idea of how do we approach bringing this before the church Right? Um, And then you're going to have some situations. Like, there might be situations where it is wise to literally stand up in the sanctuary and bring the issue to bear. Right? Perhaps, perhaps you find yourself in a situation where those who were unrepentant, and God forbid, like, this is one of those things where, like, Like, woe to the church that finds the leaders of the church unrepentant of sin. But if you find yourself in a situation where those who ought to be the men that you could trust to bring this to were to prove themselves untrustworthy and you find yourself needing then to stand before the church, then bring it before the church. Right? That might be one in a million type of path to escalation. Okay? Like, I would imagine that most times it's not going to go that route. But here's what I would say. I think that, the, I think that Scripture leaves it with these clear what you should do, giving you guidance from Scripture, the broader scope of Scripture to consider how you ought to approach those situations. But what it doesn't leave us with here is the the individuals being um, rebuked from stage one into stage two into stage three being individuals who carried a particular type of authority within the church, and because of that, you say nothing, right? Like that is not an that is not an option that Scripture gives, and and I would go so far as to say for an individual that found themselves in that situation I could imagine the weight of the concerns feeling like it's me versus them right God commands us these things and when we follow his word we can be certain that he is with us every step of the way so when we find ourselves in this place where it's escalated past the one on ones it's escalated through the few witnesses and it's been brought to the church what is the church to do? What is the church to do? I would say that when we look at each step along the way, what the church is here to do is to, to come to this individual, to be clear in the charges that are brought forth, that they've been established already by evidence and witnesses, And the church ought to come to this individual now understanding that they are in the last stage of pleading to this individual, for this individual to come to repentance. And they are to bring this individual and the details surrounding the charges of this individual and I would say here as well um, kind of maybe points of general wisdom is that this is also not the time that you bear all of the nitty gritty details right um, as we step farther and farther into this um, like up this chain of escalation, I would say to anyone who finds themselves there is that, and the in the smaller circles, it is easier to, and and it might be difficult in those, but it is easier in those smaller circles um, to handle the the full scope of these issues in a way that. Um, presents the person that is that is being like that that it's a desire for them to repent, it presents it to them in such a way as that it dampens the scope of embarrassment in some regard. Um, and then as you get up that there's there's by the nature of the escalation more risk of embarrassment to the individual who's being brought forward we should never seek and this is why i say like that restoration and reconciliation is the goal and every step along the way is that at the point that we're bringing this individual before the church it should not be the desire of anyone involved to crush them right it should not be like it should be the desire of everyone involved to to see them come to repentance, to consider what if it was myself that found my heart hardened and my brothers and sisters did not overlook it, did not let me go farther into it, but instead have carefully, with much prayer, with much consideration, with much deliberation, sought after my repentance and I refused it every step along the way. And then they come here, and it would be very easy for them at this point to desire to bring shame to me and hope that the shame cracks that shell, that hardened shell, right? Like we we think in that way. We ought to consider, even at this final step here, that the information brought forward to the church is sufficient... To make the case for repentance and for it coming this far, but we ought to still be considering the walk of that believer. Yeah. And and we should consider, we should consider as well, like when it has gotten to that point, um, that the church ought to have followed the same like like the church ought to be fasting and praying and weeping that this individual does not overlook this last rebuke that they would come to repentance which may mean that this is not simply a you come to the front of the church get blasted go home right That this might not look like that. And I think a lot of times when we consider kind of these final stages of church discipline, that's kind of the picture that we have in our head, is that we embarrass you in front of everybody and send you on your way. right? And that ought not be the desire of the body of believers in enacting this um, church discipline. Um, But what if? What if? So like in each step along the way there is a desire for this person to be restored and there is opportunity for that restoration in bringing it before the body of believers as a whole. No matter whether you start with a pastor, or whether you start with a, with a, with a, a body of elders or whether you the situation merits that you just bring it before the entire church. Um, perhaps because leadership is involved or something like that. Um, in each of those steps, in each of those prayer, fasting, weeping over the sin that is clear in the unrepentant heart of our brother or sister in Christ. It's going to feel like somebody's broken your heart. It's going to be exceptionally difficult. difficult. Yeah. Yes. Like when you're approaching something. Yes. Like, it two, somebody's just gutted you. Three, like, you yeah. Nothing but tears left. Yeah. Four, like, the, I mean, you you should be legit. Yeah. Weeping. Yeah. And communally. Like, and I've seen one, two, three, four. Yeah. And yeah. Church that is not at the weeping. Feeling like somebody's just got you. I would say it's impossible to use the right time. Yeah, yeah. The approach, the approach here matters, right? Like it, it matters, like because the way that the one who comes in love, like the way that the one who comes to rebuke comes, whether it be in love or whether it be in hate, or like, like examine your heart, even as the one who is doing who is bringing forth the the, re, the rebuke in the situation um, and consider that you are because God is wise and sovereign and he works all things together for the good of his people right you are one of those so even if you are the one on the side of rebuke, you are being sanctified and refined through the process right so it is this is a this is a thing that like, when difficult times come, whether it be at stage one or it escalate all the way, uh, that the church should consider that the God that called them is orchestrating all of these things together for his glory. Right? We should we should have that high view that God is aware, God was aware before time began that I was going to be in this moment. Lord, that you would have prepared us for it. And how would he do that, do you imagine? In his word, he will prepare us for these moments. And whether we feel adequate for it or not, um, I would say trust in him, lean on him, the church finding itself at this place that, that they might seek his glory above all and, and the I think it's a mistake that immediately after that it goes to talking about forgiveness and how often right. should I forgive my brother yeah my brother. right right like this is inter like, hey, this is right. because what because what's what What you will find is that as it gets through these points especially for the one who feels offended in this it's going to grow there is going to be a risk for that person's heart to grow Harder and harder against this individual who is unrepentant. Such that what if by God's grace and mercy bringing that individual before the church brings them to true and heartfelt repentance? And you as the one offended see it. And how easy might it be for you to say, It's going to take me some time. Right? How easy will it be for you in that moment, perhaps, to have your heart hardened against that individual, even if you see true and heartfelt repentance? May God watch over us and guide us in all of his in all of these things, especially, especially when it comes to these types of these types of perhaps difficult situations, um, I'm I'm going to. Uh, we've got about 15 minutes. I'm going to jump over to First Timothy chapter uh, five real quick. We're gonna kind of take a quick. We're going to get, hopefully get into a practical example, or at least start the practical example today. Um, but before we do that, I want us to kind of step over to 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 19, um, and we're going to look specifically here at um, leaders, leaders, um, so verse 19. I want I want you to pay attention here too. Um, verse 19. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Where have we heard the two or three witnesses before, right? So like this is like this is not a different thing than what we've been discussing. Um, this falls in line with uh, the the text that we've been looking at in Matthew <clears throat> so um, this, is a, a war- this is a warning first right there's kind of a warning against the one who would bring charge um, and, and I would say here like for the one who's bringing charge especially when it comes to like leadership within a church um, stay close to scripture in this regard right Um scripture says don't admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses now um, where are you admitting this charge do you imagine if you're not supposed to be admitting the charge except if it's brought by two or three witnesses what so individual so this you go one-on-one and then you go with what witnesses you're establishing the charges and evidence and now you're bringing it before the church, so um, don't don't fail to follow the guidelines of Scripture when it comes to the leadership of a church. Specifically here, Scripture speaking to uh, the the elder, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. And this is again like um, because of the position that the elder has, there is likewise a greater impact to that elder's future potential in ministry when they are accused. Um, So false accusations against an elder can ruin an elder's ability to minister um, in such a way that scripture would here say don't admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses now this is been done you've gone to this individual you've seen unrepentance in their heart you've gone back to this individual they've continued in unrepentance this is this is continuing in sin correct This is persisting in sin. Okay? As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all. Okay? So, where before I was speaking about, like, when you're bringing it before the church, what does this look like? Right? And that there might be different... There might be different ways in which that bringing it before the church looks There may be different, like it may look differently, given different situations. For the one who is in leadership, it is done openly in the presence of all. This is that thing that you would fear to find yourself in. This is you are brought before the church, all of them, openly, together, and rebuked. So for the one who Is an elder here who has persisted in sin, who has been approached by one and they failed to repent, who has been approached by these witnesses and the evidence has been gathered and fails to repent. They are brought before the body of believers to rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. Okay, um, what does that mean? So that the rest may stand in fear. What could that mean? Is this meant simply to scare the congregation? I think it's more fear of God. Okay, this is this is this is key here. This is key here, and this is also there's also an element of accountability in this as well, right? Like this this like. Elevated status of like there's no question about if Dustin finds himself in this escalated like moment of like unrepentance that he's coming before his people here at Mount Carmel and the sin is going to be dealt with there will be no lack of accountability there will will be no overlooking because of position or status and this Brings fear to all because if you see that, if you when what happens? I think about every time that I hear about someone in the ministry that I respected, and then I hear about a public failing. I I can name more that I, that I've respected that have fallen out of respect that I can name at this point that I continue in respect. Unfortunately, that happens all the time. It does. And this should bring fear to us. Because how we elevate the holiness of the leaders of the church as though they were somehow less human and broken than you or I. This should bring a fear because lest for the grace of God there go I. If those that we look to and respect can find themselves falling in similar ways, then ought we not be guarded about our own hardness of heart? Yes. 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 So we do not seek to cover up. We do not seek to overlook. We do not seek to give exception. And we're going, to be, we're, going to, we're going to see this. For those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear in the presence of God and Christ in the elect angels. I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging. Do nothing from partiality. In case you were wondering why it is that this type of approach is required for leaders it is so that the integrity of the church so that there can be no word that the leaders of that church will let their own slip by while pointing out the sins of others right It's, it, is, it, is a, it is a damage that is unspeakable, and it can cause it can cause people who love Jesus, who love Jesus, who are called by Him, to step away for a season. Let there be no no prejudging, no partiality within the church. What happens? We'll we'll, we'll touch this real quick, and then we'll spend all of next week wrapping this up. What happens when a church overlooks such things? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to just read through this briefly, and then we'll... um, I will ask that that you would spend some time, perhaps this week, um, considering this text. We're going to be looking at it as a practical a practical example of what happens when we don't follow after what God has called us in starting small, one-on-ones, escalating as Scripture instructs us to, until we come to a point of resolution with the issue. Um, Would you be surprised that this has happened before in a church? Would you be surprised? I I, I doubt many of us would be surprised. Fortunately, um, it happened early in the church, during the time of the apostles, and we have captured in God's Word wisdom related to this. This church's failings. God has no doubt worked together for the good of his people from the moment that Paul sends this rebuke till we find ourselves here today. Um, So real quickly, we'll read through um, all of chapter 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. For a man and his fathers for a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant? Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body I am present in spirit, and as if present I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing? For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us, therefore, celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven of the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would, have to, you would, have, you would need to get out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater or reviler or drunkard or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? is Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. We'll discuss that in depth next week. Uh, I'm going to close this out in prayer here. Um, there's a lot to unpack from that, um, so we will next week look to take what we've learned in Matthew chapter 18, 15 through 17, and 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5, 19 through 21, and start seeing that play out um, in the text in the text here. So let's pray.